Just being a, a Christian doesn't answer every question and every problem that you have. Jesus, though, does provide answers to the most basic and deepest questions of human existence. Today on First Person, you'll hear the testimony of two brothers, both of whom were on a path lined with drugs and alcohol when Christ rescued their lives. You'll meet Josh and Matt Caterer today and hear their story of spiritual transformation. Welcome to this week's First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Josh and Matt, along with a third brother, formed the 90s rock band, The Smoking Popes. Though they were not part of a gang, the name of the band came in part from a local neighborhood gang in the Chicago area. Their songs often referred to a man's search for meaning in life, a search that took both of them deep into the excesses of the rock world. But at different times, the drugs, the alcohol, and the lifestyle led each of them to the dead end of themselves and eventually into the reality of Jesus Christ as the source of their search. Today, you'll hear a good part of their story as Josh and Matt join me in the studio for a conversation about their spiritual journey. Both men are followers of Christ now and serve Him with their talents and very lives. Both are active in their local churches. Josh is a songwriter and worship leader. Matt is a member of his church's worship band. You'll hear first from Matt and then Josh as they talk about their journey to Christ. Well, I guess it was almost just like sort of whittling away all the spiritual possibilities, you know, and narrowing them down. And like uh, I was convinced for a long time that... uh, my what was my sort of alcoholism and substance abuse that that actually was a legitimate vehicle towards spirituality and i could find god somehow through taking drugs um which that didn't really pan out that great in the long run <laughs> and you know just diff- looking at everything you know native american stuff i mean just all this stuff almost almost like a cliched version of somebody who's a seeker but i did really look at all that stuff and then just different events and like i started to just really realized that um, if there was a truth, and I really did believe that uh, Jesus was a part of that, I really, really started looking at him more specifically and trying to understand his teachings and what it really all meant and stuff like that. Like one time I went to a, sh- uh, a show and I was incredibly intoxicated and also on a lot of drugs, but I had this sort of vision that I could see all of the energy of the universe coming out of everything. It's mm. hard to say. Mm. But the thing is, at that time, I specifically tried to focus what was this ambiguous belief in spirituality on Jesus. And I remember that happened to me, and it kind of affected me a little bit, but like different, just different, weird, really weird things like that would happen to me, and I would kind of focus on stuff like that. And... Um, I guess one t- story I tell in my uh, my gospel story thing is that I was in my apartment one time in Chicago and I was wrestling over uh, the spiritual question, which I can no longer remember what it was. But I mean, it was it had me. I was like just absolutely um, distraught about it. I, there, I couldn't think of an answer, and it was you know it just was tearing me apart. And I had to get out of my apartment, and I was just like I got to go for a walk, and I stopped by a. Uh, lending library that was in the lobby of my apartment and uh i picked up a book there and it was a book about jesus and i just found it you know and opened the page and right there on the page right in front of me was the answer to the question that i had you know been wrestling with and, I, and <laughs> that must have freaked you out <laughs> it was pretty 
It was. It did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, of course, you know, I mean, I just kind of got over that and moved on to the next question. Like I say, I can't really remember what it was, but I remember that event. And I also, now that we're talking about it, I remember years before then, something I had remembered too is that our grandmother had called um, my mom sort of out of the blue one time because she had said she was praying about me and she felt weird or you know something mm. like that and the thing is that at the time they had just put me into drug rehab oh my goodness yeah and i was sort of thinking about that and this thing with the book you know just that different stuff it just started to add up you know yeah i don't know so then finally um i just had really got to the end of the rope with my alcoholism and drug abuse it just and i had this one evening where i had to stop drinking for a while because it just was too out of control and I just knew it was I was off the rails and the crazy thing is as soon as I and I ended up at that point just uh, quitting for about six months but I knew as soon it was weird as soon as I uh, stopped drinking I I just knew I was going to end up being a, a Christian somehow or something <laughs> and I just knew that that was the way forward somehow like it was weird but then the thing is i couldn't keep it up and i ended up drinking again and going on for a couple more years and stuff like that but like i got a sense then of like i knew what the truth was i wasn't ready to do it yet it's like the holy spirit was just sort of knocking and knocking and knocking and you were just opening the door just a just a crack yeah yeah uh, i've i fought it every step it's like uh i don't want to you know, go too out of the way and compare myself to C.S. Lewis because he is a great man and I'm just me. But like uh, the part where he, he calls himself the most reluctant convert or something, mm-hmm. I can relate to that a little bit. And also the part where uh, something happened to him where he was on that drive and he doesn't really understand it. It happened to me. It just was over a longer period. But the time then, I, well, so anyways, we had a, a sort of crisis in the family where my dad got really sick. And um, I was not really, didn't want to face that very much. And it all came to a head with my drinking and just decisions I had been uh, making in my life and priorities. And then realizing I just, my dad was sick and I was going to really have to deal with it. And it all came to a head. And I, I just like, was like, I got to change something. And so I was able to stop drinking and taking drugs. And I came out to help uh, my mom with my dad and stuff, and my life turned around that way. And I feel like at that time, that's when uh, the Lord really cl- like cleared the way for me to uh, come to faith in him because after that, it was like I just kind of was waiting then. Like I didn't mm. know when you became a Christian or what that thing was. I was just kind of, I kind of was waiting for this other shoe to drop. And let me ask Josh, what was going on with you during this time? During that time... I did start to notice a distinct change in in Matt as a person. You were a Christian at this point. I, yeah, I had been a Christian for several years uh, and, you know, had been praying for uh, both my brothers and, and had always uh, felt like uh, Matt and I were able to uh, have you know, conversations, thoughtful conversations about, you know, theological things. Mm-hmm. Were you being discipled? Were you growing in Christ during that time? Or were you still on your own? Were you in a church? Oh, yeah. I I became part of a church uh, really soon after I 
okay. uh, committed my life to the Lord. So you're growing at this point and praying for your brothers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it always, for years, just seemed like it was sort of something that Matt was intellectually wrestling with and sort of exploring ideas. It was like a set of ideas, you know. But but during the time period that he's talking about, y- you could really see it become something that began to work its way into the fabric of his life, and he became a different person. You know, there's, there's a way that uh, w- when you really uh, accept Jesus into your heart and life— there's a way that the Holy Spirit begins to just make you a different person that you 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 cannot possibly uh, you know fabricate that yourself yeah and it, it's it's almost hard to describe but uh, my wife and I both saw it in Matt and uh, were you aware of the transformation Matt I guess so I mean I knew something was happening to me that's about all I knew really <laughs> you know. It uh, it's a beautiful thing to see, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then the the culmination was actually when I went to this uh, Christian rock concert, and I went to the show. And uh, during one of the sets, the band I went to see the singer. They you know the, the band brought the lights down, and the singer said, uh, you know, is there anyone here who loves Jesus? Put your hands in the air and. All the hands went up. All the hands went up, and mine went right up with them, man. And uh, it was at that moment that I knew that it was all right to have faith in the Lord. Mm. And I think that's when the Holy Spirit got me, uh, got in my heart. And just thinking about that moment now is still an emotional moment for you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, So... You know, and I'm not even really sure I totally understood what happened to me then, but after, I think it was a few days later, like something happened to me, and I just realized that I was different. That was it. I was a Christian now, you know. There's much more to the story of these brothers, Matt and Josh Caterer, and we'll get to it in the second half, coming up on First Person. Please take the time this week to visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. When you do, you'll learn about the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC has been around since 1945, but its ministry today is reaching millions every day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In recent years, I've traveled to a few of the places where FEBC broadcasts are changing the lives, and I've seen firsthand the results for which we praise God. To learn more about FEBC, visit firstpersoninterview.com. Two guests are with me on First Person today, Josh and Matt Caterer, brothers who came to Christ from the world of rock music and their band, The Smoking Popes. Since now we're both involved in worship music in their local churches, I ask them about the change. So different. Like, it's just so different. Like, all the experiences, you know, that we've had with The Smoking Popes and show business and stuff, uh, performance, it's like just totally different thing because you're... If you're just in a band, a secular band, or at least my, I should say, my thinking about it, it's like, you know, you're just trying to do your songs, you're trying to be yeah. cool for it's the audience. It's a show. Yeah, and you're just putting on a performance, and the energy just goes back and forth between you and the audience. But if you're playing in a worship band, 
it's totally different because the energy does bounce back and forth between you and the audience a little bit, but it mostly it's goes up. Vertical. Up, yeah, it yeah. mostly goes up. So yeah. it's like the energy of it is totally different. And um, I, I just don't think I've ever been moved to tears at a Smoking Pope show ever. You know what I mean? So it's like... I know some audience members have sometimes about the love songs, but like I haven't. And it's like, I mean, I love the band. I don't want to be saying that, but it's just a different, it's a different thing. You know, you get up there and you're part of this experience, you know, where you're worshiping the Lord and, and, uh, to be a little tiny part of that with the whole room. Is it more fulfilling for you in any sense? Yeah, it is. It definitely is. It, just the experience of the creation of the music and being a part of it where you're glorifying him. It's just a different thing. And, uh, you know, yeah. Hmm. How about for you, Josh, the transition into um, church music, worship music? Uh, I agree with, with Matt said, with with what Matt said. You, you kind of um, are concerned with uh, putting on a show for people and then when you get into uh, being on a worship team or leading worship, you find yourself before the service praying, Lord, you know, take me out of the way so that so that I don't draw any attention to myself, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole different mindset. And it's ultimately uh, a more satisfying um, musical situation to be in because it's more the way God really designed music, the purpose that he intended for it. Talk more about how you approach that uh, in worship. What What are your goals as, as someone who's up front like that? And you're writing songs now, right? You're, yes. You're, you're doing original stuff of your own. and Some original stuff. Yeah. And the, the songwriting part of it um, was kind of a more difficult transition for me. I had always written uh, most of the songs for the Smoking Popes. Uh, I wrote and I, I sort of got into this rhythm with songwriting where I had found, you know, my style and my voice in, in songwriting. And I would write things that were that were comfortable to to my creative voice, but and and expressing the things that seemed appropriate to the kind of music that we were playing there. But but then as a worship leader, thinking about how to write songs for a congregation, it's an entirely different thing. Uh, one one thing is that the songs that you know I had been writing for the Smoking Popes, you know, expressed different kinds of like emotional ennui. But then moving into um, you know worship songwriting, uh, how to communicate that subject matter? I've always wanted to avoid you know, being uh, cheesy or schmaltzy in any way in my songwriting. But the question became, okay, how do I communicate something which is basically good news? I'd always kind of thought that it's easier to communicate melancholy in a song or some kind of heartbreak or something like that. But how do you take happiness and rejoicing and good news and put it into a song and it doesn't just sound like, you know, polka music or mm. something that's... <laughs> that's uh, took a long time to work through that and trying different approaches and different styles. And uh, ultimately, I discovered that uh, the, the most comfortable way for me to do that as a songwriter is to try to convey something of the spirit of older songwriting, which I guess is, is something I've always been attracted to anyway. But I found myself more gravitating towards hymns, and I started to listen to a lot of older music like... Uh, 
some of the first uh, Christian music that I started listening to was something called uh, the Soul Stirrers. It was Sam Cooke Sam, uh, and the Soul Stirrers. It's this uh, vocal group. They would use very little instrumentation, but it was just guys just singing the soul music, and they recorded in the the '60s and you know, old, like some early recordings from. Uh, Johnny Cash was doing gospel uh, music back in the 50s and 60s. and um, That surprises me that you would reach back like that. Um, yeah, I just, at that time, I felt like that, that era spoke to me more than the contemporary Christian music that I was listening to. Okay, and, you're trying to find a footing for yourself here. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think something of that, uh, that vibe... I, I was able to latch onto that and incorporate that into the songwriting that I was doing now. And I think some of the the, the worship stuff that I've written that has been seemed to get the, the best response and has been most effective congregationally has been the stuff that feels a little bit more like a hymn. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you uh, quite personally, what, what does Christ mean to you today? What, what is your relationship to Christ now, Matt? I guess uh, the main thing about my relationship with Christ is that I'm grateful. Um, and I find, you know, the Christian life to be, frankly, uh, uh, quite a struggle uh, a lot of the time. Um, and it is difficult. Becoming a Christian didn't answer all the questions you were asking, did it? Did not. It did not. But what it did do, uh, aside from the fact that uh allowed me to understand that I have been saved uh, it, in general. It more specifically saved me from a life of uh, alcoholism and drug addiction very concretely. That's something that happened to me. And also, even inside of the struggles that I still have, or you know, I guess anybody would have, or, but I should talk more specifically about myself, I guess, that I have understanding what... Christ has done for us on the cross has made it so like my lows will only go so low anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, and I forget this all the time, but when I remember it, you know, my lows will only go so low because uh, I understand now there's a place uh, where, you know, uh, all my guilt and all my, you know, mistakes, uh, my sins, you know, those have been uh, taken care of on the cross. So when I remember that, that's, uh, I don't know how to put into words, but I'm, I'm grateful, you know. I think you've I'm done grateful. very well putting it in right. words. It almost seems like at one time there was a bottomless pit there. You, you were searching for the bottom and it was never, you were never going to find it. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily want to overstate my uh, despair in my previous life, but I'll just say that I have definitely had some pretty dark periods. Hmm. And um, like I say, it's not that I don't have struggles and bad emotions or anything else like that, but the the darkness is not as dark right. when it gets dark, you know. Christ is Christ. Yes, yes, yes yeah. indeed, yeah. Amazing. Josh, what does Christ mean to you today? Jesus, even though... You know, as you pointed out uh, earlier, just being a, a, a Christian doesn't answer every question and every problem that you have. Jesus, though, does provide 
answers to the most basic and deepest questions of human existence, uh, as in fear of death, what's going to happen to me after I die? Is there any sort of meaning in life, uh, a larger context for human existence? Is there really a God? If so, is he knowable? Um, those sort of things where if you, if you don't have those as a foundation for your life, you're, you're just kind of drifting. And, and Jesus is those things. He doesn't just provide the answer. He is the answer right. to those things. Right. So when you have— The rest he, of it we take by faith, don't we? Yeah. And, and you, you can have that as, as your, the foundation of your life, and you can have, you know, still doctrinal questions or questions about why things are the way that they are or how things work, or you can never really, you know, have um, a clear picture of the relationship between God's sovereignty and man's free will and these sort of philosophical things that— certain isms try to clear up for you. I, I, I don't, don't really feel like those things are going to be cleared up on this side of, of glory. But Jesus is this underlying foundation and reality for all things. And it's, I try to remember that sometimes, that that's, that's a different thing than what the Christian life might look like. You know, being involved in a church, and I'm on staff at a church— you sort of, and I love my church. It's a fantastic place. But you, you sort of, um, you can get into this mode where you have whatever um, version of what a Christian, a good Christian life is supposed to look like, is sort of in your circle of, mm-hmm. of, of Christians, and you do this and you don't do that, and this is how many, you know, yeah. meetings you're supposed to go to, and all of those things, and those are good things, but. Um, Culture is never a substitute for faith in Christ. Right. Even the culture of a church. Yeah, you know, because, right, because those, those living out of the Christian life can look different in different places at different times for different cultures. But in Jesus, you have something that is much more um, uh, unchanging and uh, unshakable and, and eternal and all-encompassing than that. My thanks to Josh and Matt on First Person today. You've heard from these brothers, Josh and Matt Cater, as they tell their story of faith in Christ following years of living a lifestyle that was anything but honoring to the Lord. As part of the 90s band, The Smoking Popes, these men were searching for life's meaning, and now they found the answer in Jesus Christ. As I mentioned earlier, both Matt and Josh are involved in worship music in their respective churches today. And if you'd like to listen again to this conversation or suggest the program to someone else, please use our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll be able to listen online. You can check out the schedule of what's coming up in the weeks ahead, and you can go into the audio archive of past programs, all at firstpersoninterview.com. Or if you'd like to download today's interview as a podcast, just go to iTunes and subscribe free of charge. And to leave a comment about what you've heard today, we've set up a Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Pastor Mike Fabares. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.